0: some great singing this evening just thinking about all those great songs and one of the neat things about uh, christmas time is you're in the mall or you're in some shop and you get to hear these christmas songs songs that have really great theology but all the people who are sitting around and standing around you know trying to keep their kids in line with their packages they're they're really oblivious to what the songs are saying we've Sometimes sing them so much and have heard them all while growing up that the, the meaning of the songs have just disappeared. To really understand the meaning of Christmas, it's good to understand what it was like for those who were there that first night when Christ was born and some of the events that led up to it. To really understand what Christmas is all about, you need to know about the promises of the Messiah. Way back at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, right after Adam and Eve had fell into sin, God promised that the woman seed would crush the serpent's head. Well that is a very significant statement because all the rest of scripture all talks about the seed of men and nowhere did it talk about the seed of a woman. And so there was this promise of this, this child that would be born of the woman who would, who would crush Satan's head. And then nothing for hundreds, hundreds of years. And then there was another promise to a man named Abraham that in his seed all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And then nothing for hundreds of years. And then there was a promise ...from a man named Jacob. God spoke through Jacob and he told Jacob that the scepter, a king, would not depart from Judah in Genesis 49. And then, later on, there was a promise in Deuteronomy 17 and 18 of a, of a, a king that would arise... ...and a prophet from among God's own people who would speak the word of God to them. And then nothing for many years... And then there was a promise to a man named David, King David of Israel, that one of his descendants would sit on his throne and would rule and reign over Israel forever and ever. And then nothing for many years. And then other prophets came. And they spoke of a man called the servant, the son of man, the righteous branch of Jesse, or the righteous branch of David. A man who would come and who would save the people from their sins. A redeemer, a messiah who would deliver them from their oppressors. Who would rule and reign in righteousness over all the earth. And the Jews all had this in mind. They, they knew this was happening. And then nothing for many years At the very end of the Old Testament, it was prophesied by the prophet Malachi that there would be a forerunner who would come in the the spirit and power of Elijah who would proclaim the coming of the Lord. And then nothing for almost 400 years. And then one day, there was a man... And his name was Zacharias. And Zacharias was a priest and he was serving in the temple. At that time there were many priests. And so the priests would often rotate to serve in the temple. And it was a great privilege to serve in the temple. And while he was serving in the temple, an angel appeared to him when he went into light incense. And the angel told him that even though he was old, and even though his wife was old... And beyond the age of childbearing, and even though she was barren all the years of her life, she was going to have a son. That they were going to have a son in their old age, and he would be that promised man who would come as a forerunner to the Messiah. But Zachariah he doubted it. And when he came out, God had made it unable for him to speak, and so he could only sign to people. And people were amazed because they realized, because his sign he probably wrote things down and was signing to them, that an angel had appeared to him and told him that his son would be the forerunner of the Messiah. But to even think that he would have a son was ridiculous, but yet his wife got pregnant. And everybody realized how incredible it was that this woman who was barren all of her life and now beyond the age of childbearing was going to have a son who would be the forerunner to the Messiah. And what is interesting is when John, often known as John the Baptist, was born, immediately Zechariah's mouth was opened and he prophesied that sure enough his son would be named John and his son would be the forerunner of the Messiah. And Luke, the Gospel of Luke, tells us that great fear came upon all those who heard and that the news of this spread all around Judea. Now you can imagine what the religious leaders are doing at this time as they're thinking, boy, what is going on? We've heard this story, we know Zacharias, we know his wife, Look at she's pregnant in her own age, her old age, and they were thinking to themselves, man, this is something else. I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder what this child is going to be like. And during that same time, Another woman named Mary, a very poor woman, and her husband, who was betrothed to her at that time, she was also found to be with a child. The Lord had appeared to her and told her that even though she was a virgin, she would give birth to a son who would be the very Son of God. And so all of this was happening. Well, Joseph and Mary, of course, lived in Nazareth, but they had to come for the census to register. And when they came, there was no room because everybody was coming for the census. And so she gave birth to a child, apparently in a stable, laid him in a little feeding trough, a manger. There was no great celebration that the Messiah had come. There was no no parade in the street. No dignitaries, just a poor man and a poor woman in a poor place. But God, wanting to give his son some glory, appeared to shepherds, lowly shepherds who were in nearby fields and who were watching their flocks that night. And some angels appeared to them and said, Go find this child. You're going to find him wrapped in cloths and lying in a a manger. And he is going to be the one who's going to save Israel from their sins. And so they came and they found him. Later on, some kingmakers from Persia called Magi came, found the child in the house and gave him very expensive gifts. And they came, they talked to Herod, who was the leader at that time, the ruler of that area, and said, where is he who is to be born king of the Jews? And Herod, being jealous, decided that he would kill all the children who were two years and under. And so Joseph and Mary had to flee to Egypt. And then nothing for many years. And you can imagine what was going on with the religious leader and the people at this time after they had seen what happened to Zacharias and heard what happened to Mary and heard what the shepherds had surely told many people. I would have told many people. All these little rumors about the Messiah, about the Messiah, and then nothing. Nothing for a long time, throughout 30 years, until John the Baptist started preaching in the wilderness Preaching repentance, telling people to turn from their sins because the Lord of glory Himself was coming. And Jesus, sure enough, came on the scene, was baptized by John, was tempted in the wilderness, and then began His public ministry. He went around and He began to preach the gospel of the kingdom, to call men to repentance. To turn from their sin and to turn to the Lord. He healed the sick. He taught as no one had ever taught before. As having complete and utter authority in everything he said. No one could refute him. The miracles he did were undeniable. He raised the dead. He calmed the sea. He gave sight to blind people. He healed lepers. And all of this was happening. But the Jewish leaders were threatened by him. They were threatened by him because he exposed their hypocrisy. He exposed that they were just living lives of mechanical obedience to God. They were like those people in the department stores who sing the Christmas songs but don't hear the words. But not all of them. There was one man... That we know for sure, one of the Pharisees at that time, a man named Nicodemus, and he had a real heart for God. And he had heard what happened, and heard the stories, and most likely all the way from the time of Zechariah, and Elizabeth, and the preaching of John, and the miracles of Jesus, and he had become convinced that Jesus indeed was the Messiah. And this is what we read in John 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He was, he was up there. He was a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. He came by night because all the Jews hated Jesus because he exposed their religious hypocrisy. So he kind of waited until it got dark. And he snuck over to talk with Jesus. And he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you came from God as a teacher. For no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. Here Jesus is speaking to a man who is a, who is a Pharisee. He is an expert in the scriptures. He is an expert in the scriptures. A ruler of Israel. And he doesn't even understand how to get to heaven. Just like many people today. They know about heaven. They know about Jesus. But they don't know how to get to heaven through Jesus. Then Jesus explains to him, the wind blows where it wishes. Then you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. You know, you go outside and you see the wind blowing. Well, do you see the wind blowing? Well, actually, you see trees and bushes moving, but you don't see wind. You only see what the wind does. And Jesus says that's what it's like when the Spirit of God enters into a person's life. You don't see it, the Spirit himself, but you see what the Spirit does. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, are you a teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of that which we know and testify of what we have seen And you do not accept our testimony. And if I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Jesus is referring to a time when the people of Israel were in the desert. They had sinned, so God sent serpents among them and many people were getting bit and died. So God had them make a bronze servant and put it on a standard and lift it up and said, anyone who looks on that serpent in faith will be healed. He says, the son of man's going to be hung up like that. And those who look to him in faith will be healed also. He went on to say, so that... Whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Believes in him and has eternal life. He didn't say whoever does good works all their life, who tries really hard to be good, who doesn't murder anybody, who tries to go to church or tries to read their Bible or tries to do all these good things or tries to be better than the other axe murderer they know. Whoever believes. And then we read, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God loved the world and that's why he sent his son. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about God so loving the world that he gave. You know, at Christmas time we give gifts. Why? Because we love people. We want to express our love to them. So we give them a gift. It's not earned, it's not deserved, but we give it to him. Well, God so loved the world that he gave us his gift, which was his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. A man who lived a perfect life here on earth. And he was born of a virgin that night 2,000 years ago that he could live a perfect life and offer himself up as a sacrifice You see, God is loving and God is compassionate and God is gracious, but He's also a just God. And the Word of God says that He will by no means allow the guilty to go unpunished. All of us have sinned and all of us fall short of the glory of God. No no one of us lives up to the perfect standard of God. And because of that, God has to punish us. He has to pour out His wrath on sin. But because He is a loving God... He made a plan, and His plan was to send His Son to live a perfect life and to offer Himself a sacrifice. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross, all the sins of the world were poured upon Him. The wrath of God was there to crush Him, putting Him to grief, as Isaiah said. That He would die and suffer our death in our place. That He would be bruised and beaten and whipped and scourged and nailed to that cross in our place to suffer the wrath of God in our stead as a substitute. And many people know this. Many people believe in Jesus. Many people believe he died on the cross. But what many people don't understand is how to enter the kingdom of God and be born again. I talk to a lot of people, and sometimes when I talk to them, I ask them, so, do you know you're going to heaven? Well, I, th- I think so. Well, let's say you were to get in a car accident today and die. It. Do you know that you would go there? Well, I hope so. Well, if you were to stand before the Lord and he said, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? And sadly, they gave me the wrong answer. What would your answer be? Would you say, well, I've tried to go to church, or I've tried to be good, or I've tried to do what's right, I've never murdered anybody, and I'm not as bad as the guy next door, the guy I read about in the paper. What would your answer be? Would you immediately think about all the things you have done that maybe have pleased God, that hopefully you've done more good on this side than bad on this side, so your good outweighs the bad? If that's your answer, that's the wrong answer. The scriptures say, by the works of the law, no one will be justified before God. The scriptures say, we are saved by grace, through faith and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one should boast. The scriptures say he did not save us by deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. Some of you may be sitting out there thinking, well, then how are you saved? If you're not saved by being good, then how are you saved? Well, that's what I want to tell you right now. You are saved by believing, by having faith in Jesus Christ and His work on the cross. You are saved by trusting that Jesus is the Son of God, that He was born of a virgin, that He did live a perfect life, that He died on the cross for your sins, that He was buried, and that He rose again on the third day conquering death. When you place your faith in what Christ did not what you do and you trust only in him to save you realizing you are a sinner that you cannot save yourself. When you make a commitment to God to follow him to turn from your sin and to follow Christ that's what repentance is and believe in what Jesus did then you will be saved. You will be As Jesus said to Nicodemus, born again, and your life will change. Oh, you won't be able to see the Holy Spirit directly, but you will be able to see it working in your life, the effects of God's Spirit working in you. Tonight we've sung some great songs, and these songs speak of a Savior that was born. And he is no longer a baby. And he's no longer in the manger. He's no longer being whipped. and Spat on and crucified. He is now in heaven. And all authority has been given to him. On heaven and on earth. And he is coming again. And when he comes again. He is coming as the king of kings. And the lord of lords. The prince of peace. To rule all those who have believed in him. Have you done that? Have you given your heart to Christ? Do you realize that you are a Savior? Do you realize that you are in need of a Savior? Have you come to understand that only Christ can save you? And are you willing tonight to turn from your sin and to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? I hope so. We're going to take some time right now to pray. And as we do, I'll just pray and If you've never committed your life to Christ, tonight is the night. Today is the day of salvation. Make this the best Christmas season ever. Give your heart to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this evening. So grateful to be here to worship with your people in this place. Father, I pray that if there's someone here who doesn't know you, maybe many people who don't know you, who have never given their lives to you, who have never repented of their sins and never placed their faith in the finished work of Christ and the cross, who are maybe trusting in their own works, I pray that they would repent of that, that they would turn from that, that they would cling only to you and believe only in you and make you their only Savior. Father, I pray that right now many would give their heart to you and in doing so, They would know that they have complete forgiveness in you, that all their sins are washed away, that they stand before you now, holy and blameless. And Father, may this Christmas not pass any of us by without hearing the words of the great songs we sing and giving you praise for the gift of your only begotten Son because we know that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Pray this in your Son's name. Amen.